Hi, I'm Steve, you're you, and this is Digivice. Uh, today we've got Veronica McDermott, who is a content uh, copywriter and a book coach. Um, how did you get into that? Hey, Steve, how are you going? Um, thanks for having me on. I, yeah, I sort of landed myself in, um, into copywriting land a little bit by accident, which is sort of a similar story with some copywriters that I meet. They... Um, have had pre you know previous lives before they become a copywriter um, and I definitely had a few few iterations of different jobs and different um, not so much businesses but just different roles that I'd sort of done before I became a copywriter um, I started writing when I actually just after I had my children after the birth of my children I'd always been a writer in terms of like um, you know like writing for myself as a kid I used to write lots of poetry and short stories yeah. and had a little story published in the local paper when I was like five or something like something ridiculous awesome. like that. I know local rag. I yeah. know. Um, it was all about a horse called star who rescued an entire school. There was a school that was burning down and this horse went and got some water and um, out of the swimming pool and then took it back to, <laughs> I don't know how it worked, awesome. but he, he rescued the children from the burning school. So it's impressive. Um, Not only that he knew what to do, but that he could carry it. <laughs> I know he wasn't an elephant either. Like he was a horse. <laughs> it would have been better if he was an elephant. But um, yeah, so that's how I started. Obviously, just with a real, real love of writing, and it, it was something that was easy for me. It came naturally to me, and it never felt like work. Um, I never really considered becoming a writer for a career because when I was growing up, it always seemed like you had to become a journalist or you had to become um, a starving author, and you know, wear no shoes and. <laughs> skip meals, <laughs> eat noodles, and, yeah. <laughs> get some dreadlocks. And I, yeah. not, not that I was opposed to that. I did have a phase where I tried to attempt dreadlocks. That didn't work. Um, I was too clean. I didn't like feeling dirty. So I would, <laughs> I would like wash them around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that's another story for another day though. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just basically started writing after the birth of my children, remembered why I loved it and realized that you could actually um, people would pay me to write and I thought oh this is good I can actually get paid to do something that I'm good at and that I enjoy which was a new sort of concept to me I'd never thought of never considered it before um, and I started writing sort of for creatives and I'd come from the creative industries did a bit of acting in my 20s and I um, just started writing like product descriptions for fashion designers and uh, um, bios for actors and um, uh, EPKs for musicians like just their marketing materials to get artists out there cool. and um, yeah it was really fun I did met some cool people along the way um, uh, one of the ladies was from overseas from America she was um, a winner of top coaches the top coaches top model top oh, wow. models. yeah so she had won that and she wanted wow. her bio written um, another lady was she was based in Jacksonville Florida and she actually had a salon there um, an eyelash salon and she had performed eyelashes and performed I don't know what that word is she had to put eyelashes on sounds like surgery um, <laughs> she was the stylist for JLo so she had done JLo's eyelashes that was her big claim to fame yeah and another guy I wrote a bio for I just loved writing and learning about people from all over the world so hearing their stories another guy was uh, on tour with Ricky Martin and he had turned into a real estate agent but he used to be like a backup boy for Ricky Martin's crew so um yeah, it's just a whole heap of cool things like that. And, um, yeah, from there I just sort of established my own business and started um, copywriting and obviously learning as much as I could about 
um, writing sales pages and email se sequences and, you know, all the frameworks and formulas that make people want to buy. And it just became really exciting. Um, human psychology of why people, why we do what we do has always been interesting to me as an actor and, you know, using that, my sort of like observation skills and I guess um, a little bit of empathy and to understand what clients want and what their clients want. That's really helped me to write copy that is sort of genuine and resonates. So mm. pretty cool how it all works out. Yeah. Cause that's one of the big things in uh, content writing and copywriting is it's not so much what is right for them. It's what's right for their customer. So you're not that's really it. writing for them at all. Yeah. That's the, that's sort of the big misconception. And because I started out with uh, about pages, writing about pages and brand stories, still mm -hmm. one of my most favorite things to write is, is an about page um, or a brand story. Yeah, the big misconception is that it's about you, but it's obviously, it's not about you, it's about your client. And so the language you use on that about page um, has to be focused or it has to really compel the reader to, to want to know more um, using a pronoun like you instead of, yeah. Sort of saying like, I'm Veronica, I've done this, I went to uni, I got this degree, I'm amazing. You turn it around and you, and you, you use the word you and actually um, say like, you know, you've been on a journey just as I have and then, you know, sort of connect with them by, by, um, by basically explaining to them what you do, why you do it, how you do it but also um, how it's relevant to them. So it's not just about the what you do, why you do it, how you do it. It's how is that going to help them? Yeah. Yeah. Because we're all interested in our own journey, really. I mean, totally. we, we, we are. help people, but realistically, um, so long as we help ourselves first, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's so true. It is. Um, yeah. Everyone is sort of self, um, centered. So like I had this conversation recently with a coach that I work with and, um, you know, one of my clients and she said, uh, she's actually a really cool client. She's a soul illuminator. So my focus is working with coaches and she calls herself the soul illuminator as her title, which is such a great title. Um, and she, um, yeah, it's cool. She's like, a, um, an angel reader. And she, she said to me, it's not being selfish, Veronica, it's being self full. So when you're, you know, full of yourself, when you're looking after yourself or doing something for yourself, you're being self-full. But um, yeah. that, that conversation reminds me that we are, you know, at the centre of our, our own lives is ourselves. So it's only natural that we do, yeah, we're interested in, 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 in our own story. And that's why when it comes to writing your, your about page, it's really hard to be, um, you know, to decide and make decisions around what you should include and what you should leave out. Because yeah you as a person like you think steve your story is awesome you've done this you've done that you think everything is relevant and everything's important but of um it all is. Yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but as it turns out it's there's you know there's only certain parts that need to be highlighted in order for um the client who's reading it to actually feel compelled to buy um yeah. and it might even be something that you think is totally irrelevant you might you, you might have done some training in the army when you were younger you know back in the day you might have started out in the army when you were 18 or something and you think, oh, that was too long ago to even mention in my about page. But when you mention that, it sort of gives, it paints the picture of who you are and it, it sort of explains to them, uh, to the client, to the reader, they get a sense of, okay, this person's driven, this person's committed, this person um, is self-disciplined. You know, there's so many more 
they can read so much more into that one line about your experience in the army might you know give them a lot more of the picture than what than what you think it does yeah there's those added parts as well like maybe they had a brother or a sister in uh, the army as well and they really respected them so some of that carries over onto onto your uh, person as well without even without them even meeting you yeah exactly yeah that's right they as long as they can um, the reader of your about page as long as they can find and see themselves in your story then the connection is made and once that connection is made then that's when um obviously a conversation starts you can say oh i had a brother who was in the army as well you know he used to be in this this brigade um and then after the conversation starts happening then that's when conversions happen so it really does start with that connection finding um you're not making stories up to try and connect with people you're just literally saying speaking the truth of your story and then people who who relate to that and resonate with that will connect with you they'll have a conversation and then they will obviously down the track that's how conversions happen is through that relationship yeah absolutely mm. Mm. awesome so what would you say are some of the common myths or misconceptions in your industry um probably one of the biggest ones is that um people sort of leave copywriting to the last step and they sort of believe that they can have a functioning business they can get by with writing their own copy or they can get by with templates or you know sort of cheaper form frameworks that they've purchased as a plug and play template um and they sort of think well as soon as i get bigger i'm going to start outsourcing my copywriting or as soon as i get bigger i'm actually going to get a content strategy in place um but the thing is about that is you actually it's the process and the act of getting that stuff in order getting a system in place to help you um plan your content make sure it's purposeful make sure it's regular make sure it's consistent and having some sort of system to support you to you and your your growing team to be able to do that is what helps you to get bigger so it's a bit of like the chicken and the eggs scenario where you know do you invest in some solid um content marketing foundation first to help you grow or do you wait till you grow and then try and go backwards and do it which is often the case but it's 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 always you know obviously better to do it the other way around if you have um applied for funding you know for your business or you've got a grant or um you've got a, a loan a business loan always always um you would know this from working with your clients as well steve like um when they want a website obviously probably one of the things that holds them up is the copy because they just don't know how to communicate their value to clients because they haven't had to do it formally um, by writing it down before. So um, yeah, I think allocating some funds, my biggest tip would be to allocate some funds to invest in a copywriter as well as your, you know, obviously your website and brand development as well. The visual side is really important, but so too is the, the message that, that lives on, on the website. Yeah. And even beyond the website as well, the whole marketing side of things is all content based these days. Like unless you're going traditional marketing, um, yeah. anything digital, you're going to need that content strategy in place. Yeah, it really is. It's sort of it's changed so much. This this the whole um, environment. You know, the whole what would I say? Like the landscape of marketing has changed so much. In that, you know, we don't before. If I was a copywriter, you know, maybe even ten, twenty years ago, I would put. I'd probably put a little sign up at a 
you know, a local um, neighborhood board and I'd have a little, yeah. do you want, you know, do you want me to write, write this for you? Would you like to write a book, you know, come along to a workshop and people would pull off a little cut out piece of paper from the bottom of a word document, you know, just a poster yeah. um, and just everything. The offline, I mean, offline marketing is still important. It's still valuable. It still has its place. But um, if you have an online business, then your the bulk of your presence is always going to be online. Um, and then that's why the digital marketing strategy or content marketing strategy has to, you know, has to be at the basis of, of, of everything you do. Yeah. Hmm. So when would you um, suggest that people start looking at a content strategy? Is it as soon as they start their business or they've been running for um, a month or a year or yeah, that's a good question, Steve. Um, I think most of the people that I've worked have been um, fixed jobs, as in like, crap, I don't have a strategy. I'm trying to scale. I can't figure out why nothing is working. Um, can you help me? And then when I look closer at their business, I realise, oh, there's no strategy or there's gaps in this strategy. They don't actually have a sales funnel. They've just been winging their content daily, you know, writing on the go rather than having some sort of hub to keep their content in and to be able to repurpose it to make life easier down the track. Um, so I sort of, the people that I work with have been at varying degrees, varying, there's very um, organized clients that are, that want to get it right. And they want to sort of get that all set up before they actually launch. But majority of the people who I come across have already launched and we're going sort of back in time to fix some foundational stuff so that they can start to scale and grow. And um, they really are linked together. Like, the amount of success or the amount of money that you're bringing into your business is really determined by your messaging and how clear you can be about communicating your value and your offers. And obviously the clearer you are, the clearer the audience is. If they, if you understand what you do, then the audience understands what you do. Um, I would definitely say if you're still in the process of working out your client avatar and you're still sort of building your audience, it's okay to, to start if, if your client avatar is changing, so it's constantly changing, you're not sure if you're working with this type of person or that type of person and there's too many changes happening at the moment or if you're still exploring and experimenting with that, that's okay. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, hire a copywriter until my messaging was a bit clearer. Um, and, and obviously the process of hiring the copywriter helps you to clarify your message. Yeah. So I would definitely know who my audience is and who my ideal client is um, and what my niche is. So I'd know those three things before starting to work with a copywriter and getting yeah. some sort of strategy in place. Yeah. And even looking at it from a SEO perspective as well, if you write all of this content and then six months down the track, you start ranking, but then all of a sudden you decide, all right, well, I'm not going to work with accountants anymore. I'm going to work with dentists now. Yeah. And you so change everything and then Google just goes, what the hell happened? You were looking after accountants. Now you're looking after yeah. We're just going yeah. to throw you What out. is this site? Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, and we'll figure it out later. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. I had a client just recently say to me that they actually wanted to do three offers. It was the same offer, but they wanted to make one package for this type of client, one package for that type of client, and one package for this type of client. And there were three completely different people. It's like saying, I want to serve oh, wow. the plumbers and I want to serve doctors and I want to serve road workers. And um, there was no sort of, I mean, there were some similarities, but definitely not enough to make it the same offer. And I said to her, look, you're actually tripling your workload. Every piece of 
um, every social post that you write for these for this particular offer that has three audiences, you're going to need one that talks about the pain points of the road worker, one that talks about the pain points of a plumber, and so on. You're going to have to triple your workload. Same with the website copy, and yeah. your you know you it will get really confusing about your keywords and which keyword you use on which page, and it'll get messy. Yeah. So yeah, that's why it's always best to keep that single niche. That's why everyone says niche down, the riches are in the niches, all those sorts of phrases, because um, it just makes it easier for you to be recognisable, um, memorable. If people are in communities or groups and forums and that some, someone says, oh, does anyone know someone who specialises in this? I really want help with that problem. If other people in your community will then become your advocates because they know exactly what you do, especially if your messaging is clear and you often, you know, in your 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 creating content consistently, then they know just by seeing your brand colors flash up, oh, this person does that, and they can recommend you then. So it's in your favor to have focus on one, one niche, one client avatar. Yeah. Yeah. And at least then you instantly take out half of the competition as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. That's the blue ocean concept, isn't it? Blue apple, blue ocean. Yeah, blue ocean. I'm reading that at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah, I should have read it a couple of years ago. I'm not getting much out of it anymore, but um, uh, good book for uh, if you haven't gone into any of those concepts. Mm, cool. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, you're sort of in a class of your own in terms of people. I always say this to clients that people don't buy what you do. They don't buy how you do it. Um, they actually, so they don't, people say, oh, you need to talk about your process more because your process is what sets you apart. But in actual fact, people don't buy what you do. They don't buy how you do it. They actually buy you. They're actually, every time they work with you, they're buying you and access to you and the yeah. way that you do it and your, your unique perspective. Um, and even getting back to that example of the person who um, was in the army, let's say, um, that adds a different quality, you know, their experiences of having a previous life in the army adds a new quality to their process. You can, you know, there's probably not two people out there who have had, obviously there are not two people out there who have had the exact same life experiences, the exact same um, education and do things the exact same way as you. So really there is never a competition. There's never, you know, I'm a copywriter. There are thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of copywriters, but there's only one of me who does things mm. exactly my way with my lived experiences. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So that's quite, um, quite encouraging, isn't it? To think of it like that and remind ourselves of that. Yeah. And I think that people don't look at that too often. I mean, I think that's mm. to some people, that would be a new concept. They, mm. they just look at, okay, well, I'm an SEO specialist and that, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. But the things that I can bring to the table um, mm. I have this vast experience of being a nurse and going through that experience and trying yeah, to sell exactly. $3,000 vacuum cleaners before that. And <laughs> yeah. just bringing all of that into the equation as well. Not, not everyone can um, exactly. garner any yeah. insight from that. Totally. Yeah. It's that, um, those, it comes back to those unique experiences that you have that you might think, no one's going to care what my sales job was before this, you know, it's not big enough. It's not important enough. It's not relevant enough, but in actual fact, it does paint the picture of who you are and it, it is that connection point for people to access you. So you yeah. become relatable. Mm. So yeah. Have you had any weird jobs? 
Oh, I've had heaps of weird jobs. I've, um, I was a donut maker once. I made donuts at the Eka. That was a pretty fun job. Then I yeah. charged people like, I think it was, maybe at the time it was like three fifty for a bottle of Coke and that was like expensive and it's not now, I don't think. But um, yeah, and hot dogs were like $6. I was like Dagwood dogs. Wow. I made Dagwood dogs too. That was a pretty special yeah. job. Um, but I have had a lot of different jobs in different niches. And I think that helps as well, you know. Um, I just loved learning and I loved meeting new people and, so I'd be a tutor, uh, you know, worked at Coles, worked at Woolies, yeah. worked at the Australian College of Natural Medicine, just everywhere, admin, oh police service, yeah. Just, wow. I loved it. My 20s, I, I rarely, I, I always had way more than one job going at a time. Um, and my husband's always like, is that because you couldn't hold a job? And I'm like, no, I actually had more than one job at one time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just loved it. It was really cool. And I think that helps with copywriting as well, obviously. It feels like this is like the... Um, this job that I do now is like the amalgamation of all of my life experiences sort of yeah. um, muddling together and helping me to step into the shoes of my clients because of these experiences that I've had as, as you have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I, I find that um, you don't really, um, I'm not sure if it's the same for you, but it sounds like it is. You're not, comfortable like i think that entrepreneurs are born like you don't just decide okay well i'm going to be a business owner it's something that you come to realize that you're not really going to be comfortable in any position um unless you're you're your own boss yeah i think that's exactly right entrepreneurs are born not not made that's such a cool concept um I never even thought of owning my own business. I'm not from a family of business owners, so I never even, you know, I've had friends growing up that, you know, their parents owned the service station or their parents owned, um, oh, it was a country town. I grew up in Meribur, so it was like a chicken feed, oh, wow. a, a poultry sort of, they were, they owned that sort of shop. Um, but yeah, my, my family never owned a, a shop of some sort. So I didn't think, I never had that as an option. I never felt like that was an option. I didn't want to either. And then, yeah. It wasn't until I had children that I realised the, you know, the value of time and and how important it is to be doing something you're enjoying and yeah. obviously um, working, you know, working around your family is important as well. So for me, I, you know, schedule my time and do my client projects within the set time that I have each week and try not to work after four o'clock every day, you know, just to try and set little goals like that that um don't work on Sundays, you know. Just yeah. to try and keep the balance. Yeah. Only working twelve hours instead of nine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> you yeah. just do the other. You do the other what four or five hours from the couch with your phone in your hand, though. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> doesn't feel like work if your laptop's not open. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. What do you wish you had known when you were starting out? Oh, that's a great question. I um actually wrote a blog about this. On Medium, it was like 52 things I learned in my first year of business. And I actually wrote it. I wrote it when I was in like my second, nearly third year of business because it took me that long to actually write it to collect all the knowledge. Yeah. But it was, um, oh, holy the things. It was, um, I remember one of them was like when your daughter asks you to dance in the lounge room, you know, do it. Like, don't just be like, I'm concentrating on work, I can't focus you know, go away and yeah. actually do it. When someone invites you to dance, you know, a four-year-old invites you to dance, you, you have to do it, you know, because um, I have definitely had phases when I've not felt like 
I was able to be present with the kids when um, the whole purpose of having a business and being able to work from home and that sort of thing is, is to be able to be present. So I've definitely yeah. had moments in my business where that's been conflicting. And, you know, that's why I've, you know, I even say to my clients, make sure you've got office hours. Even if you're working from your, your kitchen, you know, your kitchen bench, you have office hours and you display them in your house because that reminds everyone who comes to visit you that you're not just at home and available to have a coffee whenever they think they, you know, oh, Veronica works from home, she'll be available. Um, yeah. And it also communicates to other people in your life. Like my mother-in-law comes over and, bless her but she might just start talking about something and I'm actually working so just you know sectioning spaces of you know this is a work zone this is a non-work zone and not yeah. being in you know uh, if you have it displayed then you can you can you know anyone can see it anyone can look at what your hours are what your intentional hours are your intended hours yeah. are for that day or whatever yeah, yeah. So. it's funny the different processes that you have I um my wife um works four days a week and on Wednesdays um she's yeah. at home so I go to cool. campus co-working which is a uh, a co-working space up here in Toowoomba um, nice. and yeah I have from eight till four um Monday Tuesday Thursday and Friday at home uh, because yep. I'm completely alone Mm-hmm. Um, Great. and then um yeah I go to campus on Wednesday so it's that's awesome. interesting yeah see or hear of a different structure it's yeah I don't know how you how you manage that Mm, I think that's important yeah to have and even the structure of learning I remember this happened in my first year as well is sort of blocking your day so having all of the client calls that you're having on one day and then sales calls on the you know the next day and then you know days three to five or three to four however many you work a week are just client work time uninterrupted time so yeah um sometimes you know depending on the ages of my my children i've even had like work hours on my schedule i'll actually have like work hours are from like 5 30 until this time you know in the morning so there's actually like an hour in the morning and the work hours continue from like 8 30 until you know whatever 10 30 but as the children have gotten older i honestly i can tell you i don't work nights anymore i used to be really good i used to be really creative when as soon as the lights went down i was like you know it was like back to university days when we used to um you know when we used to do assignments the night before it was back to that feeling and the momentum but now it's like i get to nine o'clock and i'm like okay not starting anything now so it really comes down to just yeah just depending on what's going on in your life at the time and that's the beautiful thing about you know, working, you know, running your business and working from home or wherever you choose to work. Mm. Yeah. It gives you that freedom and flexibility to, to do that. Yeah. And I think flexibility is the key there. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Did you have a mentor starting out? Mm, Did I have a mentor starting out? Um, No, no, I didn't. I... I don't think I ever even really considered a mentor. I had to, it wasn't on my radar. I didn't realize coaches really existed in the capacity that I know now. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the people that I choose to work with are coaches now. But yeah, I never sort of specifically went about getting a mentor or a business coach before starting a business. It sort of happened the other way around. It was an, sort of happened accidentally and gradually. And then I formalized it as a business after the birth of my second child. Um, and then one of the very early programs that I did was a sort of like a, 
a six-month group coaching mastermind. So that was sort of a really great foundation for me to start with. Um, and that took me through, you know, all sorts of like lead generation and um, some aspects of copywriting, but it wasn't specifically focused on copywriting. And then from there, I've just kept building my knowledge with different courses and programs and consultants and coaches, like one-on-one coaches and things like that as well. So, cool. yeah, it's so important, isn't it, to keep learning? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm. I, I've started thinking of the whole business ownership as my own personal journey, the stuff yeah. that I've learned over the last five years. Um, mm has helped me develop as a person, not just uh, helped me develop a business, but I've actually grown a lot as well. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. Definitely make some discoveries. Um, Yeah. And every new, each new year you have different, um, different thing to celebrate a different win that you sometimes didn't expect to even see happen, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 One of my um, clients, uh, who I worked with when I was doing co- uh, content coaching, she she was addicted to coaches. She loved coaches in all forms, and she had a coach. She had a mindset coach, a business coach. A, you know, she had a coach for every area of her life, and yeah. I was her co- content coach. Um, and she um, she ended up. She was she also was coached by Lisa Nichols. She was on, in Lisa Nichols' big programs, so she got to do like live events wow. with Lisa Nichols. So that was one of the cool like when I had that client, I was, I wouldn't have expected, you know, to sort of meet someone on the other side of the world who, um, you know, who obviously coaching meant a lot to her and yeah, mm. it was just a cool connection was made through an unexpected, you know, that's great. Mm. Mm. I plan to have that, uh, that concept as well. I like the idea of sort of having a personal trainer and then a content totally. coach and a business coach because I oh, think yeah important to be accountable in all different aspects of your life and if it's good to rely on yourself but it's also nice to have someone there to go why didn't you get up at five o'clock and (laughs) yeah yeah i definitely agree yeah yeah Yeah, you could definitely have a whole suite of coaches really couldn't you (laughs) my my husband doesn't understand what coaches does but what coaches do he's always like what do coaches actually do like they're just teaching the same thing they learned from someone else i'm like well sort of but it's better than that. I could, that. You make it sound not good, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. not just sipping lattes and, you know, having a great time. That's right. Very <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, do you have a mentor now? Um, I'm working with a lady called Kat Abiatic in Brisbane. And she, um, she, is, she came from the ATO, actually. She's actually from the government. Oh, wow. And she's just, she had a crazy launch when she first started She's very high up in doTERRA, like the MLM doTERRA, but she's actually, uh, she's a copywriter, started out as a copywriter. Um, she used to work um, for some big names in copywriting as their ghostwriter. And wow. then she has like a, a marketing and digital sort of agency now. And she has, um, she's just got an answer for everything. So she's a really great wealth of information, but she um, had this massive launch in her very first three months of business. She launched a um social media course and she made I think it was I'm gonna say three hundred thousand dollars in the launch and it was just quite accidental but she sort of very quickly 
had to put things in place. Like she wasn't registered for GST one day and the next day she was like, oh, I need to register for GST. I just have $300,000 in my account. So, yeah. So she's been a great inspiration. I take inspiration from a lot of people. Like I do enjoy group programs. Um, I have um, an awesome coach in America called Lacey and she is really great with mindset work and processes. Yeah. And um, so she's really... Um, she's comes from like a business operations perspective. So she's great for that sort of thing. And obviously mindset work really good for that as well. And then um, for PR and things like that, um, Linda Reed, Enova from, uh, she's based in Melbourne or Sydney. I think she's Australian. She's really great for PR and media connections and things like that. So I've been in one of her programs as well. So I do like to focus on the specific skill and that's why niching is really important is I've chosen those people for their specific skills that I you know that I enjoy and that they they're known for so that's why I'm working with those people at this time yeah and you've built out Mm. that concept as well where you've got your different coaches in different areas or different mentors whatever terminology you want to use yeah yeah I suppose I actually do have that in my own life I didn't really think of it like that but if you ask my bank if you ask my bank balance, you probably see that I do. <laughs> I do have a coach for, for most things. Yeah. Cause there's so many aspects to a business, isn't there? There's so many um, different aspects to focus on and, and then overseeing it. You, you sort of oversee it, but if you have other people helping you to implement things then outsourcing and, and guiding you, then that's what, when things happen, that's when action, you know, happens. So a different perspective as well where yeah. you, you're so focused on what you're trying to achieve and then they come in and sort of give you that outside view of, hey, well, what if you try this? And yeah. you could have gotten there in five years, but them coming in and telling exactly. you that you, you're missing this key point, yeah, there it is. Yeah. yeah. And it might just be for a season, like you might only just work with someone for a period of your business yeah. and then move on to somebody else who has a different skill set that, you, that you're needing to sort of supplement in your business. And um, I think there's no problem with that. I think it's great to have a whole, you know, to learn from and be guided from a whole range of different people um, who have different skill sets and can help you grow in different ways. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So you, you're on a desert island. What are the three things that are a must for you? Oh, this question, hey? Yeah. Ooh. Um, oh, I don't know. My husband loves Survivor, that show, but I don't watch it that much. What would you need? Um, people would say their phone, obviously, because you've got the internet and you get connection and communication. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, I sort of, that's the most important thing in life is, is connection with other people so a phone would enable me to find you know phone a friend or have a chat with someone before I got eaten up by the predators on the island um I definitely want food I couldn't yeah I can't go anywhere without food (laughs) so I'd want some sort of kind of important very important yeah so I'd want some sort of snack or maybe maybe a tool to get some food like something to cut into a coconut with would be handy um so yeah some sort of some sort of device or tool my phone and i don't know nothing else would matter because you wouldn't need like swimming togs to have a swim you just have a swim like you know there's there's nothing else matters when you're on an island by yourself does it yeah yeah it's a great question i'll have to have a think about that um you don't need your glasses you're not reading like it's just yeah i don't know yeah 
food and a phone. That's my answer. Lock it in, Eddie. <laughs> nice. Great. Cool. Well, thanks for joining me today. That's okay. You're so welcome. It's fun. It's fun to hang out. Yeah. <laughs>